All right, welcome back. This is Mike Smith in for Simi. Let's talk about the coastal gas link pipeline now and the opposition to the project by hereditary chiefs of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation. This is a big project, $6.6 billion. It would pump natural gas from the Dawson Creek area to the LNG Canada export facility near Kitimat. That project, the one in Kitimat, is valued at around $40 billion. And this is the biggest private sector construction project, natural resource project ever in Canadian history. But it is controversial, opposed by the hereditary chiefs of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation. There's been a blockade in place up there in northern British Columbia. This week, we have seen the RCMP start to move in, enforcing a court order obtained by the company and clearing away protesters. We continue to follow that very closely. The David Suzuki Foundation now weighing in on this one, calling on the federal government and the B.C. government to halt the coastal gasoline pipeline until the dispute on Indigenous rights and titles uh, is resolved. Let's talk about that now with my guest, Jay Richland. He is the Director General for Western Canada of the David Suzuki Foundation. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon. Thank you for thank you for being here. Why do you think the project should be shut down? Well, I think legal tradition in Canada, not legal tradition, legal president in Canada, and the commitments to the United Nations Declaration on Rights of Indigenous People by both senior levels of government suggest very clearly that until they resolve the title questions of who are the appropriate people that hold the title, who are the appropriate people to consult, and how do you get real consent, they should just stop pushing these things through and most certainly should stop putting the RCMP in the position of uh, taking Native people off of their land. Okay, what about the First Nations that support the project, though? I mean, the company says they've got benefit-sharing agreements with all 20 First Nations along the pipeline corridor. What about them? Well, they have, in many cases, probably every right to give their consent, but not every nation has done so. Uh, and the title holders were clearly described in court cases like the Chilcotin case and the Delgamook case going back uh, you know, over a decade now. And knowing who those title holders are and appropriately consulting them and obtaining their free prior and informed consent is Canadian law. So we don't think that the senior level of government, the province and the, fe- uh, the federal government, are living up to uh, the really strong and, and you know, impressive commitments that they've made by kind of continuing to play down the middle. They know these issues of proper representation are not resolved, uh, and they're basically using the fact that they can get some people to say yes to, well, to keep pushing through. Yeah, but it's not just some people, though, right? I mean, it's all 20 First Nations and the elected band councils along the pipeline route, and I'm, I'm just wondering what you think about the negative impact it would have on a lot of Indigenous people if, if you shut this pipeline down. Like I'm thinking about, for example, there's $620 million in construction contracts with the Indigenous businesses. What would you say to them? Well, I'm going to have to just back up here uh, for a minute and, and say that the way the law works is it doesn't mean that because it's good for some Indigenous people, all Indigenous people have to accept it on their territory. That's just a confusing, challenging, and very difficult problem because of the history of Canada. And it is the responsibility and the duty of the Crown to resolve that issue before they make these projects happen. Uh, And when the Crown is actually advocating for the project, it really 
puts it in a very tricky position for them to uphold the honor of the crown and do that yeah. consultation. Yeah, I also but, have to back up and say yeah. that we're not just talking about jobs here. We're talking about one of the largest climate change inducing impacts projects in the history of Canada right. and about the physical damage to the habitat where the fracking is happening to get this gas. So the pipeline is just one little part of it. And the people along the pipeline itself aren't yeah. even necessarily the ones facing the biggest risks. So Yeah, but they're the but they're the ones question. but they're the ones who are trying to lift their communities out of poverty in a lot of cases. And and I'm taking a look at some of the projects that First Nations are supporting uh, with as a result of this pipeline, so, so for example, the West Moberly First, First Nation and this First Nation, they're not they're no pushovers. The West Moberly, they they fought the Site C Dam, for example. They support this pipeline. Uh, they're building a, a, a lodge there for hundreds of workers called the Sukunka Lodge that they're they're already building. What would you say to them for the people who would lose their jobs and lose all their money in building that lodge if you shut it down? Well, I have to be very uh, clear that I'm not ever going to try and speak on behalf of, of any First Nation or no, no, I'm, First no, Nation I'm asking government. you what no, I'm asking you what you would say to them. These are indigenous. I, these are indigenous I, I, people who are working on this I project. Understand. Hundreds of them. I understand. I yeah. also know hundreds of them who have been fighting every one of these projects for decades, and they're faced with the decision of be run over by the projects and get nothing, or find a way to at least extract something from something from a project that they do not want to see. And I think that's a devil's choice. I think that's not really free prior informed consent to give away your title and your way of life for the future so you can get the money now yeah, since you're yeah, going to lose it anyway. But here's I, the I thing, though. The here, here, yeah, but here's the these thing, are the though. questions like, that haven't been resolved. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. When you talk to these the 20 First Nations along this corridor, all of them support the project. They represent 13,000 indigenous people and a lot of them are working on this project. Like one third of the work on this pipeline has been done by indigenous workers. So you're talking about shutting down a pipeline and throwing all these people out of work, and they're trying to lift themselves and their families out of poverty. So here's here's another example. There's a First Nation called the Nadley Wooten First Nation, very remote part of British Columbia in northern in northern BC. They're building uh, a camp there for workers for 700 workers. They're get this. They're building it on the site of a former residential school. And they say it symbolizes a turning point for that First Nation. What would you say to them if you're standing looking at them in the eye right now and saying you want to shut it down? I would say that if that is what they feel they need to do, that they are the title holders, that is their right to make that decision. But this pipeline... You, want to shut it, you just told me you want to shut it down. I think that the entire project needs the permission free prior informed consent of every title holder whose land it crosses. And it does not have that. And as difficult and challenging as that is, that is the law in Canada. That oh, is well, the duty what of the Crown. What about the Federal Court of Appeal that just ruled you don't need unanimous consent on these projects? I think, there's about be, the law? I think that if you look at Doug Mook and if you look at the Chilcotin, the title holders must be consulted and they must have free prior informed consent and they have not received that from these hereditary chiefs in the Wet'suwet'en Territory. This is the area I'm focused on. And there is a clear, clear lack of understanding about whether the elected council or the hereditary chiefs have the appropriate authority in this case. And while that is unresolved, 
I do not believe they should be pushing forward. Uh, Well, I I would suggest to you that a clear majority of indigenous people impacted by this project support it and they want the jobs and they want the development. Have you heard of the construction monitoring and community liaison program? This is an indigenous an indigenous group that monitors the construction of the pipeline. They advise on environmental concerns and the proximity to cultural sites. You're going to look them in the face and tell them to shut it down too? What about all the work they're doing? I am in a position where I am telling every portion of the oil and gas industry and infrastructure industry in Canada that they need to start phasing out, and they needed to 20 years ago. Climate change is real, and it's in our face, and it's happening now, and it's getting worse. The destruction of territory is driving caribou to extinction and removing the possibility of those rights and title holders exercising their indigenous rights to the way they want to live. Some of them feel that. Many of them do. Many of them don't. But what I am ultimately saying is that this is not really and truly resolved yet, that we do not believe the Crown is doing an appropriate job of resolving that. And I think that we have a whole lot of our society that has been put into a corner where oil and gas is the place where we say this is the only way we're going to make money out of our country, and that has got to change now.